Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. You had to be there, the performance rankings, a slight tangent, and the crappy quiz. Have you ever done therapy, Adrian? Specifically related to the crappy quiz, though. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. Welcome along to Thursday night's football show. There is Europa League action and Conference League action well underway. The 8 o'clock kickoffs are about to resume, particularly at Old Trafford, where Manchester United leads Sevilla by two goals to nil. Rafael Varane has gone off at half time for United. He's just being replaced at the moment by Harry Maguire. Jesus Navas has come on for Sevilla, who are 2 0 down at Old Trafford, courtesy of a pair of goals in the first half from Marcel Sabitzer. Their team shot through a players where you think, oh, that's where they are now. Jesus Navas is just coming on. Eric Mella starting as is Ivan Rakitic elsewhere scoreless in Turin or Juventus are up against Sporting scoreless two uh, between Xabi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen and Union Saint-Gilles earlier on tonight West Ham drawing 1-1 away to Ghent in the first leg of their Conference League quarterfinal we'll keep you abreast of all of those games throughout the football show tonight and we'll hear from John Giles too on what has been a busy weekend and busy week and no action being taken from the referee's assistant who appeared to elbow not so says the FA Andy Robertson last Sunday at Anfield delighted to say though in the meantime we are joined once again on the line from Italy by Daniele Fisichella Daniele welcome back to the show Hi good evening Rich Great to have you on Um, we spoke before about matters off field uh, with Juventus and I want to concentrate on matters at least for the time being um, on the field because we would have been forgiven for thinking that Napoli's first title in 30 odd years was a done and dusted affair I remember hearing from journalists who were over in Naples for the England's um, Euro qualifier recently and that there were flags and celebrations already underway to say that Napoli had, had essentially sealed this title and there was a, a three lots of three imagery going yes. around doing the, the rounds and comparing Kavaric uh, Kelia to Diego Maradona in terms of his ability to, to bring a Serie A title and suddenly AC Milan roll up and say hold on a minute there lads a 4-0 defeat in Serie A uh, a week or so ago uh, that has been followed in the Champions League by a 1-0 defeat at the San Siro and suddenly even with those big gaps in Serie A and even with them being in the latter stages of the Champions League things I'd imagine are a little bit nervy down Naples way at the moment they are, and they have been uh, nervy for the last 10 days, surprisingly, I must say, because uh, Napoli have been runaway leaders pretty much since January. They won the title and they've been perfect in Serie A. But they lost twice to Milan, a team they are 22 points ahead in the league. They score 18 more goals in Serie A and almost the double amount of goals in the Champions League. But they came unstuck against a very solid and organized AC Milan, who at the, at the Maradona in the, in the league when they won 4-0, they tactically outsmarted them, especially with the runs in behind the midfield of Brahim Diaz and Leao. And they were very aggressive, uh, man-marking all over the pitch, especially one of the key players for Napoli, who is Stanislav Lobotka. And last night... They didn't quite repeat the same game plan in the sense that Napoli had more of the ball and Milan perhaps were not so little on the counter-attack, but the aggressivity and the pace of the game, the rhythm that Milan were able to impose was outstanding. 
they knew that Napoli were gonna um, leave some gaps if caught out of possession and that's what happened in occasion of the first occasion when Leao almost scored in the first half and you know he shot went wide uh, by a few inches and then in the se- when when Benasser uh, uh, scored you know it, it's Anguissa who loses the ball uh, cheaply there but then Milan uh, we have to say as well um, were saved by Magnan you know yeah. uh, the goalkeeper was outstanding he made some very good saves and of course Napoli were without Osimen, uh, their main striker 21 goals in Serie A uh, plenty of goals in the Champions League as well so they can count themselves unlucky because they've been missing him for the key game now uh, of the season which is the, the, the semi-final the quarter-finals against Milan and yes they look nervous um, yes last night they picked up uh, a red card with Anguissa um, they are not happy about that with the referee now in Italy Napoli is the team that get that has been given the less red cards and the less uh, y- yellow cards of the 20 teams no surprise they yeah. always have the ball it's the opposition who have to foul them but yes yesterday they seemed particularly nervous another yellow for Kim was going to miss the second leg and in at the end of the game a few declarations by Spalletti that make transpire that there is a bit of extra pressure that probably Napoli were not expected or were not used to deal with at this stage of the season. But be absolutely clear, I think uh, they are a better side than Milan. With the star man back, Ossiman is a different game. They are more than capable of uh, turning the tie around, of course, but cool heads uh, are required. Yeah, Daniele, what's the nature of Ossiman's injury and when can they expect him back? He picked up uh, a niggly injury during the, um, the, the, the international break. It is something... Um, on his thigh, the abductor muscle. Now, I have the feeling that if Napoli were to play the Champions League final yesterday, Ossiman would have been on the field because there were rumours after he picked up the injury that he might even be able to play the first leg of the of the of the semi-final. I think what they're trying to do, obviously, is to be extra cautious, to rest him. And yesterday, Spalletti said... Ossiman is going to play 100% at the Maradona in six days' times. Well, now five days' times, of course, because they play on Tuesday. He might do a cameo appearance at the weekend against Verona mm. at home, but obviously now the Spalletti has come out and said he's 100% playing because he trained on Easter Sunday on his own to try to make it. I think they don't want to risk it. Obviously, Napoli were double unlucky because not only Osimen got injured but then his replacement his natural replacement Giovanni Simeone picked up an injury at the weekend against Lecce and Raspadori was coming back from an injury so they didn't have any strikers and in the end Spalletti decided a bit weirdly in my opinion to play with the Helmas the Macedonian the North Macedonian as a false nine yeah. he never played in that position he didn't really work and you could see in Milan backline especially Chiar being really aggressive pushing the line a lot and he was winning all the duels Napoli didn't have an outlet really uh, setting aside the win uh, over Lecce what, what's the reaction been to the uh, the Milan defeats is there a sense that to a degree Napoli have been found out and if they have been found out is it is it too late Like almost like why haven't teams copped to what Milan did in the last couple of games Napoli, um, I don't think they've been found out, but recently 
they did look a little bit more tired. And I think you could explain this uh, uh, in two different ways. First of all, if you look at the starting 11 of Napoli last night compared to the starting 11 of Milan, the Napoli players have played many more minutes in Serie A than Milan. Spalletti has found very early his ideal formation, his ideal 43, and stuck to it, to the same man, all the time. Now, I think in this one, there is a little bit of um, history has to be taken into account. Napoli hasn't won the league in, 30, in, all, in more than 30 years, uh, see, and they were not the favourites by any stretch of imagination at the beginning of the season because they've been rebuilding their side. So as soon as they found themselves in the position of being able to rack up the points, I think they just wanted to stick to the team that works so well and not change everything. If you remember last season in Napoli, were top of the league up until November, yeah. then they dropped to second, then to third. So probably they didn't want to repeat uh, the same mistake. Also, we also have to consider that some of the Napoli key players didn't go to the World Cup. Ossiman didn't go, Cravascelia didn't go, Lobotka didn't go, uh, Di Lorenzo, the captain, didn't go, the keeper, Meret, didn't go. So obviously, you know, they didn't need to make a, too much turnover. But perhaps in this later stage of the season, there is a little bit of fatigue, but also they're coming down from a very high level. However, teams in Italy uh, that have been... Uh, uh, aggressive and they've been structured have put them in danger recently especially Lazio a couple of months ago they beat them 1-0 at the Maradona a tactical masterpiece by Sarri because not only they were able to press high to shut down the middle but they also they showed that if you put a man on top of Stanislav Lobotka and you shut down the middle alleyway mm. and you allow Napoli only to play on the wide areas they are less effective, of course. They can create chances, but they're not quite the same. But obviously, the challenge for Italian teams has been to do that over 90 minutes because it's very tiring to do it. And then once you got the ball, you need to be able to move it well to make Napoli uh, run after the ball a little bit. Lazio have been able to do it. Milan have been able to do it partially in the last two games. But Milan have got uh, players up front, the likes of Diaz and Leao, that when they are in form and with their with the pace and with their with their cuts from inside, obviously they are very very dangerous. Should they actually get over the line? And like there, there is still a fair bit of road still to travel uh, here. I think it's what nine games still to go in Syria. It would be quite significant. Not only yes. obviously because Napoli are the first uh, first title of theirs in, in 33 years, but but Syria hasn't had a champion from the south. Uh, even going as, like Roma were the last I think from even down around that level of the country and that's not that's even right. south-south like you have yeah, to go back uh, to Napoli again I think before ni- in 1990 since they've had a team from the south we know like one of the basic things we were taught in geography in school is that there is a very significant split in Italy and how the two yes. sides of the country are regarded how would this be regarded in, in Italy as a as a southern victory? a massive achievement because of what you mentioned. Yes, the last uh, Southern champions was Roma in 2001, but it's not the South, it's the capital of Italy after yeah. all. Yes, and then you have to go back to Napoli. But to, to look also a team from the South to qualify for European competition, you might have to go back to Palermo in the early 2000s, going to the Europa League, etc. But yes, I mean, it will be, it will be massive. Because it's, it's a team from the South, uh, because it is a team that in the summer, everyone thought they can finish third or fourth. It is a side that has rebuilt completely 
in the summer, uh, shipping away uh, players of the like of Koulibaly, who went to Chelsea for over 30 million. Insigne, the captain, the Napoli boy, the poster boy, if you like, has been there forever. Mertens, Fabian Ruiz, who didn't want to be there and they let him go to PSG and probably they done a good deal. And they brought in players Few people in Italy, we must say, have heard about. I mean, how good was the signing of Kim, who used to play in the Turkish league, and now we knew other teams were after him, other teams from the Premier League, but they weren't quick enough. I think Spurs as well wanted to sign him. And then, obviously, the masterpiece is Kvarashelia, because, you know, Kvarashelia wasn't necessarily an unknown player. He used to play at in European levels, used to play in Russia. And uh, I have watched him before he joined Napoli. In the World Cup qualifiers, he scored two goals against Sweden, for example, that then prevented Sweden to top the group with, uh, with Spain. So he wasn't a complete unknown quantity. However, when the war broke in, the, in Ukraine... He left Russia and he went back to play in Georgia in his uh, in his team at Dinamo Batumi. I mean, I think I think that's the name of the team. Yeah. And then he smashed it. He scored 12, 12 goals in in nine games. So he came off the radar a little bit more. And Napoli were quick and still believe there was a player that they saw somebody that, despite not playing basically highly competitive football for six months, could do it in Italy. And they brought him in and. It was clear from the start that he would have left an impact because of the of the type of the player is. And the way they play with Kravashelli on the left-hand side has been very different from the way Napoli used to play. Um, that was the position that was used to be covered by Lorenzo Insigne, a great player, you know, a European champions with Italy. But Insigne with the age, used to be a player that always comes short, always wanted the ball on the feet, and then was trying to spread the play. Cravacella is completely the opposite. He wants the ball on the run. He wants to take you on. He's got numerous tricks and flicks, which actually, he they, they come to an effect. And this has allowed Spalletti to play a different way completely. Still an attacking-minded side, but much more uh, direct. So Napoli have got, out of a sudden, more weapons, more solutions. They can go short, of course. They can play through the middle. They can give it to Cravascelia. The partnership with Ozyman has been uh, sensational. Yeah. The, the the synergy of having a player like Cravascelia uh, um, in a city where... Diego Maradona is, is 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 vaulted as a god. Like it's it's really something to behold to see that kind of player. Like whatever about like a centre half or a, a battling midfielder or a Lobotska type player in midfield uh, being brought to their hearts. To have that kind of player who's bringing them to the edge of a, a Serie A title is 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 something special, really. And this adds to the narrative. Yeah. A team from the south, Napoli. Of course, uh, a few months after the passing of, Mar- of Diego Armando Maradona, playing in the stadium that is named after him, and a player that gets you at the age of the seat. And, you know, it is a play that uh, everyone talks about him like someone that uh, loves to play football, just thinks about football all the time. Uh, even, you know, former teammates in Georgia, former players in Georgia, they just describe as a kid very young, he's only 23, you know, that's got massive room to improvement, but still very dedicated and playing football. And he found probably one of the best managers in Italy, perhaps in Europe, Spalletti, who could develop him, but at the same time gives him the freedom 
to uh, play the way he wants to play. You see, the good things about Spalletti is also that he not only is a tactically astute and he has found the system that works for Napoli as well, but he's between those managers, perhaps one of the less dogmatic. You know, he he knows how these teams play, but he doesn't control his players in every single movement they have to do. He gives them the freedom and uh, just tell them, look, I trust you. I know what decision you can take. These are the tools, but, you know, just just do, just create, just play. And it worked uh, very well. I think one of the most important uh, quotes about Spalletti, just to understand his philosophy, he says, these days in football, it's no longer about the positions. It's about the spaces. It's about the spaces between players. It's about the spaces between us and the opposition. And then that's where we want to be. We, we look at the spaces, not really the positions on, on the field. And I think that allows players to, to, to be creative and to be inventive. And he found uh, the perfect mix, really, with Napoli. But obviously, Cravascelia, Osimen, they are the star players. But mm. also the merit of this Napoli side goes, if you look at their working class player, their middle class player, if you like, the likes of Di Lorenzo, the captain. I've lost count how many goals, how many assists is given. Mario Rui, everyone thought Napoli had a weak link in the left back position. 12 assists, I think, this season, Mario Rui, best season I've ever seen for him. Uh, the same goes for Rachmani, the central defender. Uh, another intuition from Spalletti uh, to pair him alongside, uh, of course, uh, Kim last season with Koulibaly, and he did uh, really well. So there are a lot of players that elevated the level a lot, and they've been improved a lot in, uh, in this great team effort. The thing about the team as well, when you go through and when you see their players that were on the radar of other teams and perhaps those other teams didn't jump quickly enough to try and snap them up or perhaps they were not entirely convinced by what was in front of them whereas Napoli in the case of Osimhen in the case of Kvaric Kelly in the case, case of others certainly did take those chances um, but there has been a sense a lingering sense that oh well you know this is a team that if they do win Serie A if they do well in the Champions League they're going to be picked off by the quote unquote bigger teams in the summer uh, De Laurentiis the, the chairman the, the owner has been quite bullish about his intentions to keep the squad yes. together and you mentioned Koulibaly like if we think back the amount of seasons the amount of summers the amount of Januaries where Kaladu Koulibaly was linked with X, Y and Z yes. and it never came to pass and that I think from memory a lot of the time was down to De Laurentiis saying well you'll have to fork over 100 million quid or whatever it would be to take him from us I can't see that stance changing in the summer now that he has potentially even more lucrative assets at his disposal De Laurentiis is one of the toughest negotiators in Italy. You know, I wouldn't want to do a deal with De Laurentiis, <laughs> any kind of deal, because I think I might be in the losing side. But you're absolutely right. Napoli are not in the position that they need to sell to fund their success. They are financially viable in the summer by selling or letting go those players that we mentioned before. They managed to reduce their wage total. So, so they really don't have to make a lot of money. They will receive money anyway mm. by winning the Scudetto, by qualifying for the quarterfinal of the Champions League and maybe even more. So I think they could look at the future in a way that actually they could strengthen the team. They've extended the contract of Cravascelia for another three years. Osimen is still tied to a contract until 2025. So they don't need to sell it this summer. 
maybe next summer if unless they they manage to extend the deal but the price will be astronomical and they also um you know managed to get players relatively on the cheap you know zambuangisa for example wasn't wasn't doing it at fulham he got relegated and they got it relatively relatively cheap uh, same with the lobotka whose value has increased uh, kim values has increased as well but i think they will keep it at least for another season uh, for them to have the chance to defend the scudetto properly and uh, well let's see how it goes in the champions league but obviously uh, they will be seeded this time in this group of the champions league as italian champions so uh, they will have an early draw easy draw etc and all the ramification but uh, Napoli, they don't look like they need to... There are other teams in Italy that got other financial issues and sure. is always one in, one out, but uh, not for Napoli. One of those teams who may have financial issues, uh, Juventus, I just want to talk yes. quickly because obviously they've suffered a, suffered even a partial stadium closure um, to yes. the Allianz. That's in response to the racial abuse suffered by Romelu Lukaku in their meeting with Inter. Again, we appear to be at these junctures whereby there's the racist abuse of a player and the... Uh, suggestion the solution is seen to be a partial stadium closure for a couple of games and we'll all move on with it um, I fear we'll be back here again talking about a similar situation in the future and is uh, I think everyone is tired sick of it really mm. of what we've seen it's not just a Juventus problem actually we had to say that Juventus have acted very swiftly to identify the culprits they will be banned they probably would never be in the stadium again but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been dreadful seeing those scenes with the supporters with Lukaku. Mm, yeah, I think uh, I think it's, it's just one more bad page of the many bad pages that we have written and read about uh, racist incidents in Italy. And look, we always think. Uh, uh, the next this time or this the next time is going to be uh, the last one but it never is actually unless uh, some serious uh, um, actions are taken and i'm talking about suspending the games calling the games off giving uh, three nil defeats to teams whose supporters make uh, those kind of chances i don't think it will ever uh, change uh, really uh, for juventus yes it's a shame that it happened in uh, the stadiums i think uh, the situation wasn't managed very well by the referee in the game because we booked lukaku for celebrating as he normally does because you know the kind of celebrating with the, where he puts his finger next to his mouth oh, yeah. he's done it before as well so again he got but he, he got abused anyway so i think then the fa kind of justified the actions of the referee saying that uh, lukaku uh, kind of provoked the the spectators i'm not sure that was the that was the great uh, the great move to be fair but yeah it's uh it, it is another bad chapter for for juventus that by the way i mean in this case we have to say uh they come they can be responsible for every single uh, of their supporters but obviously we know those supporters won't be at the juventus stadium for a long while on the pitch as far as I know, still nil nil against Sporting Lisbon. I have watched before. They were a little bit under under the cosh in that um, in that Europa League uh, quarterfinals. Recently, they haven't been playing really well. But the big day for Juventus is next week on the 19th of April because the court of arbitration of the FA is gonna um, rule whether Juventus are gonna get given the 15 points back because of their uh, financial misgivings and uh, false accounting. They're gonna might be given few points back. They might not be given no 
points back at all. We know that there are other trials that have started as well, uh, links to the question with the wages. And again, it's all about uh, the principle of disloyalty, according to the prosecutor for Juventus. Obviously, uh, this season uh, in Italy, unfortunately, is going to be marked by that minus 15 that could become a plus 15 so you know um, there's always going to be a question mark next to it anyway Daniele keep your phone handy for you next week Uh, we may be calling (laughs) you again about that particular instance but thank you so much for taking time out this evening to speak to us Daniele Fisichella uh, live here on Off The Ball Football brought to you by Skywatch every Premier League game this season on Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sport